0: SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast.
1: And welcome back to the Underdog Podcast. The first AAC edition for 2021 had a brief hiatus. Maybe not brief, but, uh, you know, I had a kid and other Joe is on to bigger and better things. So uh, we both um went down a different path and now i i am back after you know somewhat figuring out what dad life is like uh for those of you who remember me my name is joe broback i'll be hosting the aac portion of the po- uh, underdog podcast and i i'm joined by a a new face on the podcast maybe not new to underdog dynasty uh but but definitely new to the podcast and that's mr dan morrison dan how are you
0: I'm doing good definitively not a dad so i've been able to sleep a little bit more than you but you know other than that i think same boat more or less enjoying a one-year anniversary of lockdown there you go there you go, there you go. yeah oh. it's uh it's uh
1: sleeping is coming at a premium definitely for me i think you have a little bit more of luxury in that department that's for sure yeah
0: <laughs> yeah well, well- Well,
1: here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep it simple. We're going to, you know, we get kind of, you know, get our feet wet starting back into the AAC version of this podcast. Uh, And we'll just, you know, keep it light, keep it fun. First, we'll talk about, we're going to talk about a couple of things that are just kind of light fun topics. Uh, just things that people will probably get upset about, but who cares? That's why we talk about it. And then we'll talk about, uh, some spring questions that we have, things that we want to look at, what we're looking forward to in spring practice. Uh, so the first thing we'll dive into is the first thing I had Dan and I are going to do here is we're going to rank the AAC uniforms. Of each team, uh, one to eleven. So what we'll do is we'll go eleven to six. I'll have you give me yours, and then I'll 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 give mine, and we'll kind of talk about that, and then we'll do five to
0: one, and the same thing there. Okay, sounds good. No, I'm seeing what I wrote down, but I'm deciding to change a couple of them on the fly real quick with hey, the guys. Right. But yeah, I can start off at my number eleven is Houston. Then I go into number ten, which is USF South Florida. And nine, I have got Navy at, followed at Cincinnati at eight. Then it's Temple at seven and Tulsa at six. See, I, yeah, I
1: only disagree I with, uh, the ones I disagree with is USF. I, I know that you're a UCF guy, so I get yeah. why that's down, but I really well, like USF.
0: I've got two issues with what USF does. The first is the Chrome. It doesn't work. It It's ugly. It's See, too Yeah, ugly. I like the Chrome. Oh, no, it doesn't work. Green and gold are colors that can work together. The Packers have done it for decades now. USF's green and gold doesn't go together. And then the slime uniforms is the last thing I saw them in, and I can't get it out of my head. Oh, man, I I see. I love the slime uniforms. Like They're about to accept a kid's choice award on Nickelodeon.
1: (laughs) There you go. Yeah. uh, You know, we definitely agree with – uh you know houston navy and temple were kind of all down there for me Uh, um what do you okay here's my question navy overall i agree their uniforms are very bland very boring but what do you think of their when they do the army navy games do you like their uniforms there
0: yeah i do so i originally had them at 10 behind south florida but i switched it because of those alternates uh Normally the standard Navy uniform is I'm an Irish Catholic from Massachusetts originally, which means I grew up rooting for Notre Dame because that's what you're supposed to do. (laughs) You don't root for anyone else in Massachusetts. Uh, They always felt to me like Notre Dame's uniforms, both we made them duller looking. So it was like, Oh, they're boring. The regular ones, what they do for the army Navy games. Those are always really cool. Like I remember the blue angels when they did a few years back, those are, I love those uniforms so they gave them a bump for the alternates
1: yeah those those oh, uniforms yeah. by themselves are like top five just by themselves yeah. so i definitely agree with that my uh, so 11th i had navy just because yeah the the blue and gold like the navy and gold doesn't look bad it's just kind of boring it doesn't really do anything for me
0: you yeah, know i don't think any of the aac uniforms are bad uniforms there's some things with bad uniforms i don't think any in the conference yeah
1: uh, number 10, I had SMU. I'm just like, besides their Dallas uniforms with the different logo, like I'm not really a huge fan. I don't know. The blue and red just seemed to clash a little bit too much for me. So I, I don't know.
0: I like the blue and red the way it works for the most part. There's sometimes when they wear too much red. I think when they wear the blue tops, that's why I like. But that's, that's I <H2> uh, i no wish they half.
1: changed up their helmets more they used to do that more but i wish they did that yeah i agree in, like they good. to. Sorry. yeah uh then uh number nine that would be i had temple they just switched to nike and i think they look a lot better at nike but um they don't really change it up a lot no. i do love when <sighs> they do their gray uniforms i'm super boring like that yeah. but I, I like those gray uniforms no. that they I, I liked
0: it out. yeah i like the cherry color it's just what they're doing with is land yeah. boring
1: yeah can't really do a ton with it but yeah it's not gonna win you any any you know popularity contest next i had houston uh i wish houston did more with the uniforms you know they did bring out the black uniforms last year yeah, those are good. they just I, I don't know like the red doesn't it was like it's it's a solid look again like you said there there's not a bad uniform it's just like it doesn't do it's anything true. for me. You know, I'm not excited <sighs> to like, oh, what is Houston gonna wear? Like, I don't ever say that. I'm like, oh, I know that they're gonna wear. It's either red or white. Like they don't really yeah. change it up that much. Yeah.
0: It's better than when they used to wear when they had the blue thrown in for some reason. Those ones back, I guess, 15 years ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. Those were ugly back in the uh I'm trying to remember the guy. Ignore me trying to remember someone's name. (laughs) Yep.
1: And then uh, seven had uh, Tulsa and six had USF. I'm higher on USF than you are. Uh, I like the slime. I like the gold chrome. Tulsa is also another one of those that, like, they're boring. Um, I was just talking with my mm-hmm. my guys over at the Golden Hurricast, and they showed me a picture that they have red uniforms that they wore with gold. And I was like, oh, "Never no, seen those. No, no uh, you don't need to see them. I'm not gonna, <sighs> I'm not gonna put those on your eyes and ruin everything for you. There, uh, not not a good look by any means. Uh, but like, yeah, Tulsa. They, I don't know." uh they don't really have anything that's just, i like the, i like the blue and gold it's kind of like houston and it's kind of like navy i like the blue I, and gold it's just it doesn't do anything for me yeah. on another level
0: i like when they go blue and white and kind of cut the gold out of it i think that's very clean looking but i agree the gold's whatever yeah and then yeah.
1: when they throw the red in there too i'm like what are you what are you doing i don't know um okay so then you go five to one here
0: Okay, yeah, so I got to remember, I had uh, SMU at number five. That's where I put them, because like I said, I generally like that blue uniform top. Uh, then I've got ECU at four, Memphis at three, UCF at two, and I don't think it's a debate. I think Tulane's number one running away with it. Okay, so wow.
1: I have Tulane at five, okay. and here's the thing. Tulane's baby blue is... One of the best colors in all of college football. I mean, I, I like North Carolina's baby blue too, but like the blue with the green mm-hmm. is a good look. My problem is that like some of the uniforms they use just don't really do it for me. Like they have, it's kind of like the Navy alternate uniforms for Army Navy. They have one uniform or one color that I'm like, yes, that is a great look. Love everything about it. But then everything else is just so boring in comparison to yeah. those.
0: That's the tricky thing when you have a team that doesn't have a traditional uniform when they wear a new one every week is sometimes they're just duds.
1: They are. Which you're going to get some duds when you have that many
0: uniform changes. Like not yeah, exactly. every
1: not every two lane uniform is going to be good. Not every USF, UCF Memphis. Like yeah. no one's going to love everything.
0: When, you know, when UCF puts too much of the pewter color they call it and then it can sometimes be just a lot of sweat panty look but when they get the right balance of the black and gold with a little gray then it's good exactly, but, you
1: know, uh, exactly. yeah i agree i think i think you're you're on the right track there that's for sure cincinnati it was four for me a lot of these teams really could fluctuate like if you wanted to put two lane higher i'm not going to argue against it uh i just like how simple Cincinnati does things. It's mm-hmm. black and white, white and black with a little bit of red, and then they threw in the red uniforms last year, which I really, really liked. I think the red ones I like clean.
0: more than the black. Yeah,
1: yeah, super yeah. clean, great look. I wish they did red helmets too. That would just be over the top, but I don't know if they could really I... do that.
0: I think they had red helmets when they came to UCF in 2018 for game day. Like they did. You're right. They had the it was like now. a kind of like a candy red
1: kind of those. Yeah, yeah those yeah, were really yeah. nice. I like those. Uh, number three, ECU. They might not be very good on the field right now, but they definitely look good with the purple and gold and white. Yeah. Uh, I, I just like that look, and especially their the chrome helmets that they have.
0: Yeah. Those are their best helmets. Yeah, definitely ECU's. I had them at four. ECU's uniforms are really nice. Every iteration of them, they don't change up too much, but the slight differences are all very good.
1: My next team is Memphis, and that's a team that people either love or hate just because of the Tiger stripes i personally love all of the tiger stripes that they do on their helmets Mm -hmm. i think it's great i love that they also put the the memphis m with the tiger on it too and then they do sometimes they do the area code and then sometimes it's the numbers i like how they switch that up but yeah i'm a huge fan i honestly between ucf's obviously number one for me memphis and ucf you could flip them it's almost like a 1a 1b for me yeah i had memphis at three on
0: mine and they're, I like the Memphis uniforms a lot. There's no way to put them than the blue pops real nice. And I don't have anything against the Tiger Stripes. I like when they do the other stuff better than the Tiger Stripes, but it's still, they're all very good. I don't think they've got a yeah. bad uniform yet.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, I agree. Uh, it's definitely definitely tough to beat. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uniforms are always fun to discuss. I know UCF and Memphis switched theirs up a lot, so it seems like every week we yeah. have this debate on Twitter of – are these good or are these hideous? You know, we don't really yeah. know every single year, but I appreciate that they switch things up. Uh, UCF's the space uniforms that they yeah. use. I feel like every year it's just a home run, especially was that this year they did like the
0: mood print. That was last year was against that last Houston, year? when it was uh, the dark side of the moon on one side and the light side on the other. That's right. Those were against yeah.
1: Houston, right?
0: That was against Houston. Yeah. Yeah, those
1: were yeah. super, super nice. Even this year's weren't as crazy, but they were still really, really good.
0: Yeah, it's hard to go as crazy once you go full moon on your helmet. Yeah, right? You know, yeah. You can't go back from that. I know there's a... For some reason, Mississippi State apparently has a connection to the space program. They did a space helmet, and some of the UCF fans on tour went crazy at them. No, we're the space sun, and then Purdue did it. And so now it's everyone's doing the space unis thing,
1: yeah, whatever. I I like Purdue's uniforms, I thought those are sweet with the little footprints on it, too. I thought they were really good. They did those well, yeah,
0: yeah, no, they did them well. They've got a connection, too. So I don't doesn't bother me that
1: when much I, I like when they like it's something crazy and different but i like that they kept it simple they didn't do anything like over the top it was just like a little bit on the helmet and then with the on the p lo- part of their logo too like they didn't do anything super out there but they they also changed it up a little bit yeah they
0: went more subtle than ucf usually does with uh their space unis Uh, Yeah, I agree, but it's kind of hard to hard to do
1: that sometimes. So it's nice when someone actually executes really well on that.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
1: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right, the next thing that we're going to go into is, uh, you know, this is, we haven't talked about this in a while, and I don't even know if Joe and I did this when we were doing the pod. And it's talking about, you know, we've been, you know, we had the news earlier this year that the college football video game is going to come back with EA sports, which I don't think there's a single person that wasn't excited about that. Uh, You know, obviously with, when you're talking about name, image, and likeness, then that's a different story. I think people have a different take on that. Um, But overall I was just generally excited for a game that everybody seems to love. And it just made everybody think about, Hey, since 2013, which is the last version of that game, there's a lot of players that we did get to play with, and and honestly made me think mm-hmm. for when we're talking now, you and I, who were maybe maybe not top five players that we played with of that game, but who were the top five players in the AAC maybe ever because the AAC started mm-hmm. in 2000 was it 13 mm-hmm. 13 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so right when that use right use when the hat. game ended so we didn't mm-hmm. really get to play with any AAC players
0: so. Mm-hmm. The oh. one version of the AAC that ended up in the last NCA 14 game, it's got Rutgers and it, it's got Louisville in it. That's, That's right. how far That's back right. we're going. Right. So you can That's play right. Teddy Bridgewater, but not a, not went after that. Exactly.
1: Uh, so I just wanted to go into who you could, you If you wanted to do top five AAC players ever, uh, we can do that. I mean, either, either way, my list is the same, regardless of if you're doing top five ever or top five players you wanted <laughs> to play with in the game. But uh, I'll have you go first, your your top five AAC
0: players. So these are my top five AAC players, not necessarily guys who I'd want to go with in the games. I tried to get a couple of defensive players in there and who thinks about what defensive players they're playing with. You're probably writing down four quarterbacks. Otherwise, I just wanted to mix up. And I do have two UCF guys on my list, but that's fine because you said I'm a UCF guy at the top, and I think they both deserve to be there. But my number five is malcolm perry from navy and i chose him over keenan reynolds even though keenan reynolds is the better player because keenan reynolds only had one year in the conference now, perry had a full career in the conference and he was absolutely dominant in his career uh, he was the 2019 aac Offensive player of the year he was you know first team in the conference in that year he had 2017 rushing yards which is the most ever by a quarterback in a single season i just he single-handedly made Navy a 10-win top 25 team. Because then the very next year we saw 2020, obviously they didn't tackle. That was a big storyline, but their offense came crashing down and couldn't do anything a year later once he was gone. And I think it's good to recognize those triple option guys when they do something special and we don't necessarily look at in the same way we do uh shane buchel type who puts up huge numbers in the narrate.
1: well and it's a big difference for that offense too if they have a quarterback because even perry if you look back in 2018 like he was mm-hmm. bad in 2018 and it may not have yeah. necessarily <laughs> have to do with him um because i know they rotated a bunch of guys but he definitely yeah. did have a good year and that offense did struggle
0: yeah and part of that issue in 2018 was that they didn't know if they wanted him to be their quarterback. Yeah, they, had, they couldn't be an up down, right. a quarterback that. They didn't know if he was a running back or a quarterback. And once they just committed to him, that's when he took off. But like I said, I was going to put either Reynolds or Perry there just for that, making sure that those triple option guys got recognized. And just because Perry played more than one year on the conference, I gave the nod to him. Uh, my number four, though, that's Shaquem Griffin. I had to put him in there. And take out the story of who he was with, you know, only having one hand. Uh, He was also the 2016 defensive player of the year. He was the Peach Bowl defensive MVP. He was a first-team All-AAC guy. He was really, you know, I think he may have been twice on the first-team All-AAC, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And I think he was a second-team All-American from what I found in 2017. So that's nothing to scoff at. And he was a huge Zach guy. He was a huge part of the... He Recovered the fumble against USF to win the game at the end of 2017. He had a few huge plays against Memphis. And then again, the Peach Bowl. So a defensive guy, they're harder to put on the list, I think, sometimes in our minds, but he goes there for me. Yeah, he
1: I mean, obviously the hand is the the big talking point because that's all people really talk about. But if you just talk about his play, like he was one of the best in college football. Uh and that's you know one hand two hands no hands he was he was one of the best in college football and that's you can say that definitively without going into the other things regarding that
0: yeah exactly like the one hand makes it more impressive because you don't see it happen in sports but put it aside because he was still great with that you know without it wasn't like it's not like you're giving him a pity like bump for only having it you know and But uh, then my number three is Quentin Flowers. And if we're talking about guys who you missed in the video game, Quentin Flowers is the guy you missed in the video game. Uh, But he was in the AAC is the career record holder for total offense in the conference, Uh, which I think you have to put him on the list at that point. It's hard to ignore that. 2016 Offensive Player of the Year, two time Birmingham Bowl champion. You don't get too many of those Uh, two time Birmingham. Birmingham Bull MVP as well. You know, and he was just, he made USF so good. And when he was with Marlon Mack, especially, that backfield was excellent. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. it's one of the yeah. best backfields we've, I think we've seen from the AAC. And Flowers was a, he was, he was a dude. I'll tell you, he's not on my list. He didn't quite make it, but I, you know, it was so hard to pick five just because so many of these yeah. dudes. And you're right, the Flowers is one of those guys that if you're playing the video game, you're definitely picking him
0: yeah absolutely and you know i was trying to fight recency bias as much as possible because i wanted to like go down the list of memphis running backs basically and put them on the list and just it doesn't fit that way sometimes uh my number two though you're a houston guy it's ed oliver and from a pure talent standpoint he's the most talented player the conference has ever seen i think he's the only five star to be recruited into the conference out of high school, at least. I know there's been five-star recruits to transfer in uh, from other schools like Blake Barnett, for instance. But there's nothing you can say about at Oliver other than he is the most physically dominant player that conference has ever seen. He's like three-time All-American, three-time All-Conference, Outland Trophy, Bill Willis Trophy, 2017 defensive player of the year. There's The list goes on. And then you can probably guess my number one if you know me at all, but it's Melton, Mackenzie Melton. Without a doubt, to me, the best player of the conference and the most important player the conference has ever seen, even if you're going to say other guys are more naturally talented. Uh, Two time conference offensive player of the year, Peach Full MVP, Archie Griffin Award, all that good stuff. He probably would have been the record holder in every major UCF category and a lot of the other. You know, conference categories had he not had his injury the injury did derail his career it took away his senior year at UCF but now he's, he's at Florida State now uh and he's just been cleared to play a month or so ago so he's gonna get that chance to bump his numbers up but I don't think there's anyone at least more important than Milton to the conference yeah I mean 10
1: 10,000 yards already and he's got another full year ahead at, at Florida State a program that Definitely needs uh, a little help at the quarterback position, and you know you have a coach in Mike Norvell who's produced some of the best offenses we've seen in all of college no. football over the last five so years. Uh, mm-hmm. So that I'm interested to see what they can do together because Milton obviously torched <laughs> Norvell enough, and he finally decided, "Hey, you're going to play for me instead of against me." So that'll be really, really interesting to see. Uh, my my five so five ahead zay jones the wide receiver from ecu oh yeah he had 1800 yards in 2016 with philip nelson as his quarterback so the fact that and that team was three and nine so you know i had to give him a nod just because he dominated on a team that was absolutely garbage so you have to you know he, he wasn't gonna he was you know first team aac that year wasn't he's not going to win uh you know he would didn't win offensive player of the year because keenan reynolds won it that year but a guy that absolutely dominated on a team where everybody knew who the ball was going to and he still was able to get open
0: yeah i had jones just maybe like seven or so on my list overall he was it's a shame he was on those ecu teams because i think if you put him on a team of just anything around him or even if you put him on the team two, three years earlier when Lincoln Riley was the offensive coordinator and Shane Cardin was throwing the ball to him would have been an absolutely A different story. That's for sure. That is for sure. More like how
1: we know Justin Hardy now. Exactly. Yep, exactly. Uh Number four, I picked Keenan Reynolds over Malcolm Perry just because of the, the career success, you know, 80, yeah. you know, 88 total rushing touchdowns. Uh, 2016 Offensive Player of the Year, like I said before, uh, Malcolm is a solid pick, but I think I I gave the nod to the, the career for yeah. Reynolds.
0: Yeah, like I said, I only knocked him because he only played one year in the conference, but that one year was also an insane insane year for him. So, I, uh, I've
1: yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's tough to go against that. It's the production is definitely there. Number three, uh, this one, my. One two and three honestly can be uh interchangeable honestly just yeah. because of how good they are three I put milton there uh he yeah. was the only he's the only the conference's only two-time player of the year uh he won in 2017 and 2018 uh in 2018 was the year that dr King had fifty plus touchdowns, which he was the only one of three players that year with Dwayne Haskins and Mm. Kyler Murray to do that. So I felt that King got robbed, but I I get why they picked Milton. He was on a better team and his stats were still really good. So can't really argue with that. Uh, Number two, I had Anthony Miller, the wide receiver from Memphis. There's not a single player in the conference that could cover Anthony Miller when he was playing for Memphis. And this was when Mike Norvell was putting up, Numbers with that team. Him and Riley Ferguson were just killing it. Uh, Daryl Henderson wasn't quite Daryl Henderson yet, but he was still on the team. Like that offense was loaded, and there's mm-hmm. not a single DB that had anything on Anthony Miller. And now he's getting wasted on the Bears.
0: Well, yeah, everyone gets wasted on the Bears. But True. though, Anthony Miller, I watched the 2017 AAC Championship game more than most people probably do three, four years later. Anthony Miller in that game was unstoppable. And then Mike Hughes was, was a first-round corner on him the whole game. It, he was another guy who was just off my list. I guess I didn't know what to do with wide receivers, if I should put them on or not. But he was, yeah, he was incredible. Yeah, you
1: could probably, I mean, probably all five, you could put all five quarterbacks. That's probably the best list, but I just, you know, I have two wide receivers on my <laughs> list, but that's just how good they were. And then, like, Quentin Flowers was really good. Shaquem Griffin is really good. Uh, but, I, you know, there's just, yes, it was really like tough to, to put high.
0: I wanted to mix it up and get some defensive guys in there, too. If I was just going good, it probably would be five quarterbacks on my list. Yep. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly.
1: Uh, so then my last guy is Ed Oliver at number one. He's the best player that the AC's ever seen. Nobody's even close to his dominance. I mean, you have Milton and Miller, like I said, they're really good. Keenan Reynolds is good, Zay Jones is good, Quentin Flowers, all those guys are super good. But Ed Oliver, if you especially for being a defensive tackle, the stats that he put up are insane. Mm -hmm. It's like if Milton produced like six thousand yards in a season. Like that's the similar D tackles should not have that. Like he had 29 tackles for loss at yeah, one no. point, And it's like, he, you know, he's a D tackle, you know, no, they don't get that kind of production because no one ever runs the ball down, you know, down the middle that much, they don't rush after the passer. And he was the best combination of power and speed and athleticism. Like he just, yeah. I will yeah. never see another Ed Oliver for a long time.
0: Yeah, and he was getting double teamed every single game too. And yeah, double and triple team is just stupid. It's it was incredible what he did. Like I said, I had him number two. Whatever you want, if you want to say he's number one, I'm not finding you there. I told you he's the most athletic player of the team, or yeah. the, team yeah. the conference has ever seen. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Uh, And unfortunately, all those guys are gone, uh, which is the sad part about that list. But that leads us to our next topic here. And uh, we want to look forward to the spring. Uh, We obviously had a very weird year last year with no (laughs) real spring ball or or, a normal spring ball. And then we definitely did not have a normal regular season. Uh, Spring will be played this year. But, you know, with COVID around, we're going to have very – very different looking spring practices. And then if people do have spring games, it's going to look very different with either little or no fans at these games.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: So we're going to go back and forth here. Uh, We'll we'll do one, one each at a time, but we're going to look at the three biggest spring questions to us. Uh, I'll start first here. I think the biggest one in the conference at least the in terms of battles is SMU's quarterback battle. Uh, Tanner Mordecai yeah. comes in from Oklahoma, and he'll be battling. They got a four-star in Preston Stone coming in, and I think that's going to be the most intrigued group of five battle, really. Um, besides maybe Boise State, that we're going to watch there. Uh, I think Mordecai, you know, he, he it's tough because he was stuck behind Spencer Rattler. Jalen Hurts, and I don't know if he was there when Kyler Murray was there, but he's been stuck behind NFL talent his whole career in yeah. Oklahoma. And that, you know, that's part of going to Oklahoma. You know, some get, sometimes you're not going to be the guy because there's another dude on the team. Yeah. And now. If you're not the five-star guy, in Oklahoma, exactly. You're not yep. Exactly. I mean, he's a four-star. So it's like, well, yeah, you're kind of the loser here because you're a four-star. But he comes to SMU. I think he's a great fit in Sonny Dyke's offense, and he has so many weapons at his disposal, but I think that's maybe the biggest battle that we'll be watching in the spring.
0: Yeah. I, I had the whole just transfer quarterbacks and who's going to be the guy in general. As a, and Mordecai was one of them. I think Mordecai's the starter there. All right. Preston stone's going to be good. I think it's Mordecai though. Uh, as we come in now, he's going to be more polished. He's going to be used to college speed defenses. I think he's, I think he's going to keep that as offense very, very good for, uh, next couple of years.
1: Yeah, it's going to yeah, be interesting. Year, I think he's a good fit. Sonny Dykes has been really killing it. I think we don't talk about SMU enough right now. I think they're a team that's been recruiting well. You know, They they had a good year last year, and they return a lot of key talent. So it's going to be interesting to see what they can do this this year, which leads me kind of to next year. So Tulsa was a team that surprised, I think, everybody. Yeah. Uh, I think they're a team that no one really expected just because they won – two games three years ago they won three games two years ago and they won four games two years ago or whatever Uh, and last year was uh, or this year I should say whatever you want to call it was a six win season they went six and one in the regular season and then they lose to Cincinnati uh, in the AAC championship and then Mississippi State in the bowl game to finish six and three but there's plenty of excitement with Zayvon Collins and that whole team there uh, my biggest question with that is who's going to be this year's Tulsa. You know, you look at the teams that are at the bottom of the conference are probably your teams that you're picking from. So you're picking from Houston, USF, Temple, ECU, baby Navy. Uh, I don't really know who that team is. I think a lot of Houston fans thinks the Cougars are going to be that team, but I want to know who you think might be that team this year.
0: Yeah. So there's always a chance it's Navy. Like we mentioned with Perry, when he clicked, he goes like clockwork, but I think if I had to put a guess on anyone, it's ECU, I think ECU has been getting closer in the past years. They've been incredibly, incredibly young since Scotty Montgomery left it. Uh, The entire roster had to reset for Mike Houston. Mike Houston's never consistently lost in his It's like his third stop. Now he won a national championship with James Madison. I do believe he's the guy to fix it. It just takes time. Entering year three, I think it's there. Holton Aylers is a senior now, uh, with two more years of eligibility because everyone just got a freebie. So I think if he's ever gonna be that guy to take them to the next level, this is the year. All those young players like troll around him, they're no longer undersized freshmen. They should be you know, college-sized athletes now. The defense is still very, very questionable they still are young in a lot of places but I think if they're going to take a jump, this is a year you'd see a jump that's, a,
1: that's, not, that's not a bad pick honestly, I, I like it, Ehlers obviously, I mean, he threw for 500 plus yards against Cincinnati two years ago, Ehlers
0: flashes it but then he loses it one game and he, he, he has like
1: sure. seven games over 350 yards passing but he also has like seven games under 200 and it's yeah, just he, like yeah, what,
0: where's he, the consistency there yeah, it feels like he. It feels like he goes one week and just his confidence just dips, and he goes thirty-three percent the next week for whatever reason. It clicks, and he throws for seventy percent. I don't get it, but yeah, I, don't I, I think it'll come together at some point for them. I do I think the conference is better when ECU is really good, so I want them to be good, but we'll see.
1: All right. Uh, did you say your number one already? Your your top
0: question. Um, no, I, let me get, it. so my top question is, it's going to be a UCF question. It's going to be, how do they change the offense from Heupel to Malzahn? It's the Heupel offense was highly criticized by UCF fans, at least. And I was in a long time defender of Josh Heipel in terms of what he was doing, because what he was doing was not calling plays necessarily. He was calling a scheme. The idea was spread you as far out both lengthways and then up and down vertically of the field and go as fast as possible that there's a strain on your defense and wherever the defense goes, you just go to the opposite spot. It's incredibly simplistic. And for the most part, it worked until this past year when it stopped working at times, stopped working against Tulsa really badly in the second half. It stopped working against Cincinnati. And those were teams that it should be noted played man coverage tight and just jammed the receivers at the line and didn't let them get off. And once teams started figuring it out, it got to be a little bit frustrating because there was no backup plan with that. Uh going to have more to the offense. It's not going to go as fast. It's still going to be the spread. There's going to be a lot more over the middle. I'd expect to see Dylan Gabriel run some more read option than he has in the past people forget that dylan gabriel before ucf recruited him was committed to army he can run people don't give him the credit he's due as a runner very underrated right. athlete this is a guy who was first off you have to be smart to get into army you have to be a great athlete to play quarterback at army and then after ucf signed him georgia and usc were both trying to recruit him too so he's this wide-ranging athlete who can do more than hype asked him to i Don't know where the stigma around him came from that all he can do is throw the deep ball, other than that's all he was asked to do. Well,
1: I'll tell you where it came from. It's because it's almost like UCF's offense was like this AAU basketball kind of team. It was like, hey, Jalen Robinson, Ryan O'Keefe, Jacob Harris, Marlon Williams, just beat your guy one-on-one and we're gonna chuck it up to you and go get it. It was at times, it was just like you're almost wasting Gabriel's talent because it's like, yeah, he could throw the ball really far, but like if you watch the if you go back and watch the film, at times, there's only two guys actually running around, and then the other two are just like jogging up the field. And it's like that's not—I mean, that that can work, but it's only going to work, uh, you know, a certain amount of the time. And then you're going to have to go through your reads, you have to go through your progressions. And when you're only when you're only reading one guy and making a decision, like you're you're just kind of putting yourself in a, a hole that you can't get out of.
0: Yeah. And you saw that on drives when, if the first play didn't work, it was almost certainly a three and out. And it was such a quick three and out that it put a lot of pressure on the defense. And this year, the defense was not equipped to handle that pressure. Exactly. So, yeah. It's, uh, All right. What do you I got for they, number two? Uh, my number two is going to be, how does Cincinnati's defense change under Marcus Freeman or without Marcus Freeman? I should say their new defense coordinator is Mike Trestle. Jim's nephew. Uh, like I mentioned, Marcus Freeman liked to play you up t- close and tight. They had some great, great defensive backs like James Wiggins, who made it cap- made it possible to do that. Uh, he's the Notre Dame defensive coordinator now and well deserved promotion and raise and all that comes with being the Notre Dame defensive coordinator. They went with Mike Trussell, like I mentioned, Jim Trussell's nephew. It's as Luke Fickle a hire as I think he could have made. Uh, you know, Fickle, who was on the staff, defense coordinator for GM at Ohio State. It's, it's a Midwest guy who's been at Michigan State as the D.C. for a few years. I personally think it won't change a lot, but it'll be interesting once spring practices get going and even spring games just to see if it looks any different. Are they doing more zone schemes? Are the blitz schemes changing? So I'm interested to watch that develop. I don't have a great answer for how it'll be different, but I'm interested by it.
1: Yeah, I think when you have well,
0: yeah. not all
1: five DBs because Wiggins is gone, Derek Forrest is gone, but you have guys like Javon Hicks who's behind him, and then, uh, uh, what's his name? Brian Cook is yeah. the other safety. Cook had a really good game against uh, Georgia when Wiggins was out, uh, yeah. so I think he, I think he's the next guy that's going to step in. Hicks is a ball hawk that can you know play a deep safety. Take you know take away the deep threat for a team. And then you have Ahmad Garner, who's going to be a first round pick and then Kobe Bryant on the other side. And then Arquan Bush is the the nickel back. And I think you don't really have to, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel really with that team. You just have to figure out Mm -hmm. what's going to be best. This is a team that played a lot of man, like you said, but they can play zone. They prove that they can play zone. They have good awareness. Now Kobe Bryant's a little bit better in man, Uh, I'd say Gardner's a little bit better in man coverage too, but they can play, they can play zone. They have the awareness to do that. And like I said, they have Hicks on the backside. Uh, Cook's not afraid to stick his nose in the, in the trenches too. Uh, And then they have Bush up there to, to play the slot really. So, There's a lot of talent on the backside, but they also have a lot of talent returning up front too. So really it's kind of a luxury for Trestle because it's like, you don't really have to find a lot of guys. You kind of just have to find depth and figure out what scheme is going to work best for the guys that you already there. And you kind of have a blueprint with what Freeman laid out.
0: Yeah. I mean, Cincinnati has got the most defensive talent in the conference, I think by a pretty wide margin. So, you know, you've got, Room to maneuver and like you said, they're versatile in the back and so you can do a lot of different things, whatever, whatever you want to really. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When
1: conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
0: All right. What do you got for number three? Number three, it's gonna be I'm looking at Houston as someone we all went to they got Horgers and there was this big coup. It was, oh my God, that he's been so good at West Virginia. He's gonna be able to do so much at Houston with you know the talent rich Texas to go to. And then The first year was weird when he redshirted it. All the seniors, you know, they took advantage of the four-game redshirt rule, which was brand new that year. Uh, The idea was that, hey, we're 2-2. Things don't look like they're going to go great. Take a year off, develop, we'll be back in 2020, and we'll dominate. Then King transferred to Miami, and the pandemic happened, and they did not dominate. They were very, you know, they were very much themselves this past year, the same way they had been the year before, which was disappointing. How does Holkerson turn that around at this point? Because correct me if any of these guys chose to stay another year, but Stevenson's gone, Mobile Car is gone, uh Porter's gone. Uh, who who are the weapons now in Houston? Because those were the guys that scared you at least. And how I don't see how that offense is any better than it was this past year, which means I don't think that Houston's gonna be any better. And how long does how long does Houston stay content with $4 million failures.
1: So the, it's funny yes. you bring up Houston because that's actually my third question, too. Is what does what is Dana do in year three? And I'm actually on the opposite, which I, I think uh, Mulla car actually is back this year.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. I think he's I back. I was looking to see if he was back or not. Yeah. It's, it's
1: so tough this year with rosters and whatnot. But yeah, he, I he believe he is back. So that's a nice, uh, you know, a yeah. nice return for them. But, um, I'm actually on, you know, with that the the uh, red shirt rule. I'm actually, I actually think it was a brilliant decision by Dana Holgerson. Now King obviously didn't come back, but obviously that decision did really well for him because now he's at Miami and he's killing at Miami, which I knew that before he even went there. But I think that actually benefited him to. To actually mm-hmm. sit out for a year, because let's be honest, they weren't—they weren't, they weren't going to win anything two years ago, and they weren't. I didn't think they were going to win anything last year. I think Major Applewhite just gutted that roster with talent that wasn't actually that good, and. Mm-hmm. I've told Houston fans for a while, this is the first year you can actually judge Dana because now he has a bunch of his guys playing. So it's mostly his team. Whereas the last two years, it was like damage control and just find pieces that work, you know, Peyton Turner worked out for them. That's a guy that mm-hmm. did really well. Clayton too, is solid. I don't think he's great. I think he needs to take another step, but you know, there are pieces, Marcus Stevenson, you just mentioned there were good guys that he inherited from Applewhite, Apple white, but overall there's not a lot of depth. He's still building depth. So I think this year is the first year that fans can really like, look at this program and say, this is Dana's program. The first years don't really matter. What does this team look like, and what does the future look like for Houston?
0: Yeah, I mean, I know he, when he got there, that defense was egregiously bad. There was just nothing there. When you're in Texas and you're in a major city, you should always have some talent on the offense, just weapons-wise, just lying around on accident. Same thing with USF, same thing with UCF, same thing with SMU. They should all have just happen to have weapons because of where they're located. But, yeah, I – I guess that's my other thing is I'm not sure Clayton tunes the guy. I was looking at his numbers from last year and it was limited, but he was like 2000 yards, 15 touchdowns, 10 receptions. And it's just, it's just not good enough. Nope, then, it's, definitely, go. not, it's definitely He's not. Definitely and that's going to be
1: the biggest thing with that team is, is what does the offense do? Because in addition to him, it's going to be what does the old line do? They weren't that great last year, but no. you know it's very interesting to see. This is a team like you said; they're in a position, they're in a location where they can get talent, and I think Dana's doing that. Uh, it's just this is the first year we're actually going to get to see yeah. what does Dana's program look like. Not does not what is Dana doing with someone else's program, someone else's talent. So there's a lot of things going on in spring that are very interesting. Uh, you know, we talked about three each, uh, and one of them we agreed on, which is which is cool. Uh there's a lot of things with each program that is gonna be very interesting and hopefully we can dive into some things we either learned or you know what we have questions about going into the summer. Uh but That's going to be all we're going to talk about today, so uh, make sure you're following Underdog Dynasty. You can find them on uh, Underdog Dynasty on Twitter. Uh, You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcast is probably the biggest one, Uh, so make sure you do that. Uh, The biggest thing is uh, leave a five-star review and leave us a question. We can answer your questions, whether it's conference usa sunbelt aac uh leave us a five-star review it could be a good question bad question whatever you want to ask feel free to leave us a review and a question there you can follow me at joe Brobeck on all social media uh you know i cover the aac for underdog dynasty uh and then dan let the folks know where they can find you
0: yeah i'm on twitter at dan underscore morrison 96 uh I write for Underdog Dynasty too. I also do Notre Dame stuff for a website called Slap the Sign. So if you like random Notre Dame articles popping up on your timeline, that's the way to do it. Uh, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Perfect.
1: Well, right, you guys know where to find Dan. You know where to find me. Underdog Dynasty, your home for AAC football. And uh, spring practice is coming up, and the season will be here before we know it. Can't wait.